0: Helping to, Helping make, to you make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley in conversation with uh, American historian and Guggenheim fellow, uh, Professor Michael Honey and author, longtime trade unionist and former head of TransAfrica Forum, Bill Fletcher Jr. As we continue talking about uh, this not-so-well-known uh, part of King's legacy, he's uh, always fighting, always championing the rights of workers alongside his vision for economic justice. Uh, and racial equality. Uh, we'll continue that dialogue in a moment. We were talking earlier uh, about the UAW and uh, just workers writ large across the country and the year they had last year. Uh, on the one hand, on the other hand, we had Dr. Cornell West on this program earlier today, and he um, weaves quite brilliantly uh, King and his his work and witness. Uh, alongside or with what's happening uh, in real time in the Middle East. Only Dr. West could do it in the way that he did it, linking uh, MLK and what we see happening in real time uh, in uh, in Gaza, uh, in Palestine, with this Israel-Hamas war that continues unabated. Um, so that Michael Honey, uh, again, mentioned Sean Fain earlier. Sean Fain is the president, as you well know. United Auto Workers, and was able to successfully push back against the Big Three last year in a major uh, set of victories for labor. But he is not shy at all, uh, as Dr. King uh, linked uh, his work to what was happening in parts around the globe. Sean Fain uh, is not shy about uh, doing likewise. Take a listen. This clip is kind of bold. It shows how bold Sean Fain is. This is Sean Fain, president of the UAW, speaking alongside progressive Congress members at a news conference. Listen to what he had to say
1: we cannot bomb our way to peace That's right. right. the only path forward is to build peace and social justice is through a ceasefire as union members we know we must fight for all workers and suffering people around the world we must fight for humanity that means we must restore people's basic rights and allow water food yes. Fuel, right? That's right. Humanitarian aid to enter Gaza.
0: That sounds pretty Kingian to me, Bill Fletcher Jr. How about you?
1: I mean, the thing—the thing about uh, King that again was part of the effort to uh, change his uh, his legacy was the denying of how consistently King was in fact, an internationalist mm-hmm. and and it, he, he he was in a very proud tradition of black internationalism uh, again, the focus of mainstream opinion on on King has always been about domestic issues. King was never restricted to that mm-hmm. his His breakthrough in some ways that shattered the way many liberals and certainly conservatives viewed him was, of course, when he came out against the Vietnam War, very mm-hmm. openly. Sure, sure. And, and I think the thing that we have to understand is that, much like Malcolm X and many other great leaders, King appreciated that there is no justice in the United States, there's no separate peace if the United States is engaged in atrocities globally, that, that you can't try to build some sort of wall... Around the conditions in this case of African Americans in the United States, and believe that we should be silent mm-hmm. when we see what's happening in uh... Palestine, Western Sahara, Ukraine, or any number of other places. And and I think that's why the linkage is a, is a good one.
0: Yeah, no, Sean fain to me um, uh, it clearly sounds Kingian, took a page right out of King's playbook. Uh, but to have a union leader who is that bold in a moment like this, where this is so controversial. Uh, to express himself um, uh, so boldly in the way that he did was pretty amazing to hear. Again, that was the voice of Sean Fain, head of the UAW, um, linking the work uh, that he does on behalf of workers in this country with what's happening in the Middle East, a uh, pretty powerful uh, audio there that I wanted to share with you. Um, uh, Michael, I asked you this first, and then we'll get Bill to sound sign, uh, uh, sign off on it as well. And Again, I've never really kind of explored this, this line of questioning, but it, it occurred to me, as you and Bill were talking to me earlier, about King always standing with unions from the very start, from the very beginning of his advocacy. Of course, he's dead at the age of 39, but so he starts very young, of course. But even at the very outset or onset of his advocacy, he was always down with labor, always uh, using his pulpit to demand the best for labor, which is really fascinating. When you consider the fact he's a he's, he's a upper middle class uh, Negro. That's how he's raised in Atlanta. Uh, but to be so connected with everyday people and including, of course, those sanitation workers uh, for whom he, you know, gave his life in Memphis, it's pretty astonishing when you think about it in that way. Particularly given that we always find ourselves, maybe not enough, in these conversations, Michael, about class in this country. King grows up in one class, but he's representing another class. How do you read that? What do you make of that reality?
2: Well, actually, uh, you know, I've visited his neighborhood a number of times, and I was thinking back to what that neighborhood was probably like in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And although King grew up in a nice household around him was a lot of devastation Uh, it was the it was the great depression Mm -hmm. and he's born at the beginning of the great depression uh his father although he was middle class oriented had grown up in a family of sharecroppers and uh day laborers and before that uh, king's family were slaves Mm -hmm. uh so there was that train of uh reality and his understanding and when So he grew up seeing, and he talks about this in some of his uh, writings, he grew up seeing poor people and what what it was really like. So despite his kind of privilege, which is what he saw it as, he was very conscious of what was happening with most people. And secondly is the black social gospel, which his father imbued in him and everybody, Benjamin Mays, all the people he studied with, uh, Thurmond, you, you name it, the black social gospel was about the poor and lifting up the poor and paying attention to the social conditions of poverty and this was all shaped in his early life in the 1930s when he's still a kid basically yeah. it, and it, then it, world war 2 world war 2 this really strong anti-imperialist you know framework at morehouse every place in black academia he was also imbibing that so by long before actually montgomery he had this very strong, uh, global and class mm-hmm. sort of view.
0: Let me let me get your take on that, Bill Fletcher Jr. Um, after I share the following, which is just just to add a little bit more to this. Um, so King is in fact privileged, uh, as uh, Michael uh, Honey lays out. Uh, so much so that he has he has degrees. He goes to some of the best schools in this country. He goes to Morehouse. Uh, he's got a PhD uh, from BU. Um, So this guy is educated. He's grown up in a well-to-do family. Uh, You may recall, Bill Fletcher, um, that he was oftentimes chided. I wrote about this in my Death of a King book. He was often chided by well-to-do Negroes of the era, including... Uh, Middle class Negroes who ran some of these major civil rights organizations, um, including, if I can just keep it real, Thurgood Marshall, Supreme Court Justice. They would they would laugh at Martin and mock him from time to time about these overalls. He'd be out there wearing overalls, marching with workers and everyday people, and they knew that was not his upbringing. So they got a good laugh out of that every now and then, to be honest with you. I write about this once again. In the book *Death of a King*, this is this is real stuff here. Uh, but for a guy who had that kind of privilege and that kind of background to be so connected with everyday people is fascinating to me. We'll get Bill Fletcher, Bill Fletcher Jr.'s take on that when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Can you dig it? Come on! May fresh daily in the Mert Park,
1: Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley.
0: You're listening to Bill Fletcher Jr. Uh, as he responds to the question I posed a moment ago as to how he processes that king, middle class, privileged Negro, uh, educated at the best schools, Ph.D., uh, pastor of, of a couple of amazing churches, walking around wearing overalls, marching with poor people, marching with everyday laborers. He was mocked by some for that, Bill Fletcher. What do you make of it?
1: I make of it uh, what what Michael was raising about the social gospel. I, I think that the two very interpret, different interpretations of the life and work of Jesus and Jesus' purpose are really at play. Uh, you know, whether Jesus was someone simply to be, uh... to be worshipped but not followed
2: Mm.
1: or whether jesus was someone whose path should be followed and i think that dr king followed the path he followed the path of a revolutionary he followed the path of someone who took up for the dispossessed the marginalized and 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 i think it's that which is critical to understand so I mean he, he truly internalized uh, internalized that, and unfortunately, uh, there are too many people, including within black America, who who look at Jesus as uh, more of an idol mm-hmm. than, than someone whose path should be followed should mm-hmm. be replicated yeah. so I think in some ways to, to, be a, uh, to follow Dr. King is really to follow. The path that Jesus was laying
0: out. Yeah. Uh, Martin said it more than once. Dr. King said it more than once. He said, I love Jesus Christ. It's these Christians. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Jesus Christ. It's these Christians I have difficulty dealing with sometimes. Let me ask you right quick here, uh, Bill Fletcher Jr., in, in, in real time, how do we best link, as King did then, how do we in late modernity right now link economic justice with racial equality? How, how do we do that? Um,
1: I think a a number of different things. One is that we need unions. That is, we need organization that is of workers that take up these fights. Uh, And the the fights, whether in the workplace or in industry as a whole, need to incorporate not just wages, hours, and working conditions, but need to take up social justice issues. Mm -hmm. And, And here's one of the things that's interesting, Tavis, because it relates to an earlier question you raised in the union movement you have a history of unions that took up international issues and and took the right side on international issues mm-hmm. and in the union movement you've had the, the unions that have taken the side in the fight around racial justice so and and there's there's great examples whether you're looking at unions like the packing house workers which is now part of the united food and commercial workers which at their at, during their heyday Fought against racial discrimination in hiring, um, and you know, I mean, they basically took on the employers around that, or unions that actually deployed shop stewards and staff to to help to build community-based organizations in various communities, including the black community. Mm-hmm. So there's so that the connection between racial justice and economic justice is is obvious. Yes. I think in some ways. It's when you have people, you have white supremacist unionism that gets introduced, you know, where, it's, where, where people are being told, no, we're not going to deal with racial segregation in our workplace, we're not going to deal with housing issues. We're only going to deal with wages, hours, and working conditions. That's the problem that we have to take on.
0: Nope, I hear you loud and clear. That makes perfect, perfect sense to me, uh, beautifully articulated. Uh, Our remaining moments with Bill Fletcher Jr. and Michael Honey when we come forward on this King Day on Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. About four minutes left. I'll split it two and two. Uh, Michael, honey, you first. Uh, your your uh, uh, closing thoughts on the enduring legacy of MLK and his work to always advance the rights of workers.
2: Uh, Stokely Carmichael made an interesting comment during the march on Fear in Mississippi. He said he never saw King more relaxed and more happy than in that march when he was dealing with poor people every day and. You can see that in his tours through Mississippi leading into the Poor People's Campaign. Another great example, he comes back from the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo uh, to go out on a picket line with scripto workers in his neighborhood, 800 black women, 1964-65. And because of his participation, they, they won their strike. Everybody wondered, where did Dr. King go? Oh, he went out on strike <laughs> to these people. So it was the very felt thing with him it was not just an abstract idea and they at the end of his life they were constantly talking about where do we go from here yes. chaos or community yep. we just had a beautiful conference at the university of washington about jack o'dell who worked with and for sure. uh, dr king and in his writings what he says is the key thing is knowing the past in order to know where do we go from here. Yes. And Bill's a great example of doing that. Uh, and then having analysis and being able to really make sense mm. of how to build mass coalitions. And that I think a lot of people don't quite get that. That is a key yep. to Martin's success, La- building mass coalitions.
0: Last word to you, Bill Fletcher Jr.
1: A friend of mine said, Tavis, the other day that they're glad that Dr. King didn't have Twitter. Mm. And, and I think that's one of the things I would walk away from with this conversation. The King was about building movements and about organization. He wasn't just about shouting at oppression. Mm. And, and we have too many people now that seem to think that political action is about tweeting, texting, uh, posting on Instagram, etc., as opposed to that we need to organize millions of people to fight for justice. If that, that's the legacy for me, yeah. for King. Does,
0: does, does it have to be either or, Bill, or can it be both and? And I ask that because... No, if no, King, it's both. Yeah, it's both. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's both. But, but see, I guess, you know, forgive me. Uh, I'm glad you, you said that, Tavis. Forgive me, because, see, part of it is that I see too many people who think it's only Got you. about social media, mm-hmm. right? And as poet, See, the right wing understands. They actually understand... Direct one on one organizing supplemented, uh, uh, added to by social media. But many of us, unfortunately, think all we need to do is to take a stand, post something on, on Twitter, and that's it. And no.
0: Point well taken. Point well taken. Stated uh, succinctly by our friend Bill Fletcher Jr., author, longtime trade unionist, and former head of TransAfrica Forum. Bill, thank you for your insights, man. Uh, honored and delighted to have had you on this program. Happy King Day to you, and all the best of uh, best of this, best of this year to you.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure,
0: Michael. Honey, Happy King Day to you as well. Hope you have a great rest of the year as well. I always appreciate your insights. Thank you for your time, Professor.
2: Thanks very much, Tavis. It's been a great pleasure.
0: Good to have you and on. Br-
2: And privilege. Yes.
0: (laughs) For me as well. For me as well. When we come forward, we'll talk about uh, how the right wing uh, has manipulated the legacy of Dr. King Jr., particularly uh, Dr. King and his words especially. Uh, The book is called The Struggle for the People's King, and we'll talk to the author of that book when we come forward on Tavis.